Mysore Chakras, episode 134. Simplify, simplify, simplify. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body, from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, and you are back to your oasis for ancient knowledge, your hub for actionable wisdom, and your on-demand radio station for transformation. This is the show that celebrates you for who you are and teaches you concepts, ideas, and techniques that you can use to reduce stress, find fulfillment, become healthier, strengthen relationships, and create a positive impact in the world. Action Tribe, if my voice sounds a bit funny and different today, that's because I'm still nursing a toothache, but it is surely getting a bit better now. Uh, we have an amazing episode in store for you today. But before that, let me ask you this one question. What is your favorite inspirational quote? As you know, I love inspirational quotes. So today I'm turning the tables around a bit and I want to learn from you. What is your favorite inspirational quote? The action taker. So post your quote on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram using the hashtag my seven chakras and let's inspire the world around us. And with that, we are now ready to bring our featured guest for today on the show, Dr. Mary Wingo. So Mary, are you ready to inspire? I am ready to inspire, AJ. Awesome. So Dr. Mary Wingo has been a permanent resident in Ecuador for two years. She's trained as a PhD scientist and is a business person originally from the United States. She has a PhD from the University of North Texas in physiology, specifically human stress research. This field of study deeply challenged her to fully understand human adaptation and its mechanisms, which required diving in deep at all levels of biology, ecology, psychology, sociology, as well as economics and politics. She has been deeply interested in the topic of human stress for many years as the cost to our communities every year is in the trillions of dollars. Millions of people die prematurely or suffer disability needlessly because of preventable exposure to stress. Dr. Mary Wingo can help you easily understand the most important social issue of our time, the uncontrolled stress of modern life and its devastating effects on our bodies and our communities. So Mary, take about a minute and tell us a bit more about your amazing story. <laughs> Thank you. Wow, <laughs> what an intro. Well, my name is Mary Wingo and I'm originally a Texan and I live here in Ecuador, specifically in Cuenca, Ecuador, high in the, uh, in the Andes. And basically, I had been out of science for a, a very long time, but I had always, always kept up with, you know, the most contemporary topics and thinking in a human stress research because it's basically adaptation. And I kept up with it all these years. And we're kind of at this spot here in, um, you know, in uh, history where uh, more than ever, uh, people are being affected by stress and being, uh, you know, are dying early there. And they're, you know, becoming um, incapacitated because of disease caused by stress. And I figured that it was about time I wrote a book. Nobody else had really conquered the topic, but um, I feel like I, I had to, I needed to at this particular moment in history. 
Well, thanks a lot for that intro. Now, Mary, I'm sure you agree with how powerful words are. Words can create stress. They can create worry and anxiety or words can heal. Words can spread love as well. And that's why we begin each episode with an inspirational quote. So what is your favorite inspirational quote? And also tell us how you apply this quote in your life. Probably, I'm not sure if it's inspirational, but the most practical is from um, my favorite philosopher of all time, Henry David Thoreau. And it's just basically simplify, simplify, simplify. That is the quote that I live by. And it's basically the primary way that you can manage stress uh, successfully. I think that's really important to remember and it's really powerful as well. Sometimes we try to overcomplicate, we try to overanalyze and that leads us to not taking action or getting confused and because of that confusion that leads to more and more stress in our lives. So thanks a lot for reminding us of this really profound quote, simplify, simplify, simplify. And with that, let me ask you, what inspired you to write your book, The Impact of the human stress response? Well, you know, I'd been down here in Ecuador for, oh gosh, I guess a year and a half at the time. And, and like I said, I, I, <laughs> I, I'd been keeping up um, what is going on in our culture. Well, I should say in uh, westernized culture. And it just <laughs> was not looking good, AJ. And, and, you know, there had been some incredible thinkers like, you know, Bessel van der Kolk and um, Alan Fratelli uh, that had, you know, come out with wow we need to do something about the preventable um, emotional trauma of uh, of you know humans you know it, and yeah they were like we we've got to do something we've got to do something and we have these brilliant thinkers but there's nobody who has just put it all together who's put together the psychological chemical and physical aspects of human stress and they're just wasn't anybody else doing it? And I figured, boy, I need to do this and I need to do this right now. Wonderful. So let's start maybe from the foundation. What, according to you and, and according to your study, is the root cause of stress in a human being on an individual level? Well, okay, there's the short answer and the long answer. The, the short answer is for most people, the most intensive, potent stressor is relational stress. That is the uh, stress that occurs um, between people <laughs> when uh, whatever happens uh, in uh, the you know, the relational aspect between two or more humans breaks down on some level. That, and what I mean by um, it is the most potent type of stress, it's the type that uh, activates, um, you know, various components of your nervous system, your endocrine system, your, and your immune system. And this, of course, um, you know, can open you up for the deleterious effects of stress in the long term. Um, but that's the short answer. The long answer is that there's actually five causes of stress in the modernized um, world. And, and this includes um, the modernized parts of the developing world as well. Okay, so it's all parts of society, including countries that are uh, westernized. And these five aspects are basically what cause most of the grief that we have, uh, mo most of the stress that we are exposed to. So you mentioned that the most potent stress is relational stress that is between people. And I was just, I think it was a podcast that I was listening to the other day, which mentioned that in ancient times, if a caveman wasn't able to build good relationships with his or her tribe, he would die. So no wonder there is stress created. 
right? Well, yes, yes. And you also need to, to take into account that humans are incredibly uh, immature when we're born. I mean, the amount of resource it takes for the parents, uh, you know, to raise that child to where it's even halfway independent. Um, well, that there wires us for a social interaction. Sure. Now, you mentioned that when confronted with a stressor, the organism must decide if she can physically alter the environment to confront the challenge or if she must alter her biological in order to adapt. Could you give us an example of this phenomenon to understand this better? Oh, absolutely. Oh, you got a gem out of the book. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so when you're faced with a stressor, you, you have this, it's usually subconscious assessment. Okay. And so you look at whatever... Well, first off, let me define stress. Stress is the rate of adjustment or adaptation we must undergo in order to adjust or adapt to a particular environment that we find ourselves in. And so basically, we, we're looking at, you know, the stressor and it's like, okay, how are we going to adapt? You know, how, how are we going to organize our tissues? Mm. Um, how are we going to organize our thinking in order to um, uh, to conquer this? Well, there's there's two options. Either you change yourself or if you've got enough brains and enough resource, uh, you can change the environment. OK, and that's 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 basically what it boils down to. Mm-hmm. Now, you've hinted at this. We've spoken about stress at, at an individual level. Let's talk about the bigger picture now. What are the five major causes of stress in modern society? Okay, this is something that I believe is, um, if your listeners take home any message, um, this interview, I hope that it's this part. Okay, the five major causes of stress in modernized society. Well, number one is simply complexity. And, and when I mean complexity, I mean our thinking, our habits, multitasking, just having um, thinking too much, trying to solve too many problems at one time, constantly messing with our, uh, our electronic gadgets. Okay, that's a mm. big, big thing. I mean, constantly occupying your brain, your cognitive facility, and when you do that, you stress the frontal lobe, okay? And the frontal lobe is a part of the brain that's right behind the, the forehead. And, and when you do that, again, you were just uh, uh, mentioning this uh, earlier on in the um, interview, you lose concentration, your ability to solve for, you know, stressors to attenuate stressors is compromised. And so is your ability to uh, regulate your emotions. So the more you pile on like that cognitively, um, the higher the probability of breakdown of cognitive and emotional uh, regulation uh, functions. So, so, I mean, that's really important. And this also causes a great deal of stress-related illness and premature death. And in the United States, um, very very high cost to treat. Okay, number two is uh, inequality in a society. So um, when you have a society um, that has basically no middle class um, sure. and where the the 0.1%, 0.1% are basically just like a vacuum cleaner and sucking everything up, you have a predictable pattern in society. Uh, you have, of course, um, stress-related illness and premature death, especially for men. Uh, men do not handle being the low person on the totem pole very well. And their bodies... Um, it, 
I mean, it's it's a very very clear pattern, and and this is actually this comes from um, the World Health Organization. <laughs> this has been studied to death, and so uh, when you have an unequal society, you're going to have a lot more um, stress and costs related to stress. And number three, number three, it is sort of kind of related, and that is loss of social capital, which is very common in modernized uh, communities. And, and you know, this is because uh, you know we go off, uh, we go off to school, perhaps in another a city or province or country, and uh, what we take jobs far away, we move far away. Uh, we in modernized society uh, in the U.S. especially, uh, uh, we've lost social affiliations. Uh, some with church, some with political, other types of social groups, and uh, family, um, the support of family. All this allows us uh, to become more protected from mm-hmm. stress. We're, we're not so vulnerable as when we are when we're just individuals. This is the social component here. And then number four, this is a kind of a deviation, is, uh, and this is a surprise for some people, is loss or um, derangement of the populations of your flora of the uh, uh, my, you know, microbial populations in your gut, on your skin, and in all your orifices. Um, you know, we have over uh, millions of years evolved a pattern of little beasts that, you know, far outnumber us, our native cellular numbers, you know, that, that we have actually that compose our body. That The number of microorganisms that are, are actually our friends and uh, have greatly numbered the number that we have of our own selves. And when we, through modern life, when we deplete this, or when it becomes deranged, we essentially use functional components of our organ, endocrine, and immune systems. So, I mean, we lose function, okay, bodily function. And then, then of course, this puts physical and chemical stress on our bodies, yep. okay? And then number five is actual chemical stress. And when I mean this, there's voluntary kinds, like ingestion of um, many pharmaceuticals, like uh, antibiotics, you know, a processed food, um, various hygiene, cleaning products that we have in our house. This can, um, this can cause a lot of physical stress. And then the biggie is involuntary exposure to chemical stress, which is pollution in the air, oil, in the water, uh, and in the soil. And this this is thought to cause 40% of all deaths, period. Yeah. Wow. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I love that response, mainly because it was, you know, in-depth and it covered all the topics equally. So I'm going to repeat that for the benefit of our listeners. Number one, you mentioned complexity, the complexity in habits, multitasking, maybe open loops in the brain, trying to solve too many problems at one time. And so that sort of brings to my mind why a person like Steve Jobs, who was trying to solve a problem on a global scale, just chose one uniform that he wore every day so as to reduce certain decision-making patterns that he had to make so that he can focus on the problem or the task at hand. Number two, inequality. A society where there is no middle class, where the top 1% is sort of taking everything they get, maybe unjust rules and unfair practices. I'm sure a lot of our listeners can really resonate with this. That's right. 
Number three, loss of social capital, a loss of social affiliation with groups and communities, loss of support from family, which we've grown up sort of expecting. And when that is taken away from us, that leads to stress. You mentioned loss of microbial population in the gut, skin, orifices. I think that's sometimes not spoken about. And I think that's so important. So many people are talking about the importance of a colon cleanse, gut health these days. Naveen Jain uh, had an amazing TED Talk uh, the other day where I listened to where he spoke about the microbes in the gut and their importance. And fifth, which is so important, again, you spoke about chemical stress, both voluntary as well as involuntary exposure to pollution, you know, the pollution in food, the pollution in water and soil, a fight that so many people are waging these days just to ensure that we get clean water to drink, organic clean food to eat and fresh, uh, you know, air to breathe, right? So thanks a lot for that really wonderful and elaborate answer. Oh, great. You summed it up great. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> now, humans have come a long way from the caveman trying to catch a wild animal for dinner to a city dweller catching a wild Pokemon these days <laughs> before dinner. So could you talk to us about the evolution of the stress response? Has our stress response changed over the years? No, 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 not really. Um, hmm. Well, and especially since it's basically industrial age, well, really more like in the last hundred years, and that these explosion of stress-related diseases and the costs associated with them have just, it's just gone through the roof. It's gone parabolic. And, and why is this? Why, why is it that diabetes, um, many types of heart disease, many types of cancer, mm-hmm. etc., cetera, uh, just were not that common? I mean, yeah, you know, people did die sooner, but but still, I mean, you, it just doesn't account for it, um, the mass explosion of these types of diseases. And, you know, basically the science of this, the why, I mean, you know, the, this was always a big question. This is like the biggest question probably in biology. Um, this is a very, very complicated topic. Why, um, I mean, why is the adaptive mechanisms, why are they configured like they are? That's probably, the, you know, the question that all evolutionary scientists, all stress scientists have looked at, have, have, have had in the back of their mind for all these years. And basically... What it comes down to is that when you're faced with a stressor, okay, you need a mechanism in order to become more plastic, okay, for your your actually your the, the tissues that are placed for which you have placed the most demand to become temporarily more jellyfied and more plastic in order to conform to a new configuration that allows you to adapt okay, to a given environment. So for instance, a very easy example and very one that I can relate to very, um, very, very well is altitude. You know, we're, I mean, I live 8,200 feet or um, around 2,500 meters, um, you know, <laughs> in the air. Mm-hmm. And the, the air is very, very thin, and it takes a number of months for your body to produce the red blood cells for your all levels of your lungs to um, adapt and adjust, um, so that you know you can uh, suck up as much much oxygen as possible. Same with your capillaries. I mean, this goes on and on and on. So basically, uh, you know, I have to remodel large parts of my system in order to adapt. 
adapt to very high altitudes. And with that, you have to do sort of a phase transition. And that's what happens. You become more jellyfied. And then there's other um, states of the um, of the human existence, well, organisms in general, but of the human existence, you become um, more rigid, you know, relatively rigid. And you become more impervious to the environment. When you're in a more plastic state, you're more open to the influences, okay, of the environment. Mass and energy can penetrate your bodily borders more easily. This is why uh, in many cases you become more susceptible to infectious disease when you're highly stressed. It's you just become more permeable to the environment in general. That is the purpose of the stress response. Sure. So, Dr. Wingo, what made you move to Ecuador? Uh, and how is life different there compared to USA? Uh, well, it was basically, if you, I mean, to really, to be completely honest, I saw what was going on in my country. And it, it was just becoming, it was hard to maintain a lifestyle of health. You know what I'm saying? It's sure. so incredibly stressful in many, many aspects. And I, I was looking actually to immigrate somewhere. And, you know, through some luck, I ended up here in Ecuador. And then I, I noticed that in certain sectors, well, it, basically most sectors of society, the stress-related illness is much lower than what we experience in the fully modernized, westernized world. Now, when you're looking at professionals, like say, you know, professors, lawyers, I mean, you know, what, the, basically the lifestyle is similar um, in many ways um, to the U.S. Yeah, you start seeing a lot more of the diabetes, heart disease, etc., etc. Okay, but then you have the folks that are more old school um, and, uh, you know, still have the old ways, especially the indigenous and, you know, and the folks that are ranchers, they, they're called campesinos and, mm -hmm. you know, they, they grow all the vegetables, they, you know, milk all the cows that, you know, they, it's basically a, you know, run the basic infrastructure of, of Ecuador, you know, and, and they don't have near, especially psychological maladies, they, they don't have near what we do. So, I learned a lot. I mean, it basically, oh, you know, I, I came full circle. I, I came full circle down. Here. Beautiful. Now, let's go back in time now. How did you first enter this field of research? What's the story behind that? Well, I think I was actually an undergraduate mm -hmm. when I started reading, because it was still kind of like a little bit spooky. You know, because it's so yeah. mysterious. <laughs> you're talking, literally, you're talking something probably more complex and hard to understand than quantum mechanics. And, but then... You know, it's like, why is it, you know, we have high adrenaline and high cortisol and it leads all this stuff, you know, downstream. Why, you know, it's like, well, what, what are the connections? What, how does A lead to B? Well, mm -hmm. basically, yeah, you had to, it was like, the, in my mind, the biggest question in biology, the biggest question in medicine. And, and it's like, it was just, nobody had the answer. But the answer is that you have to look at it from all angles because, okay, how do you want to look at stress? You want to look at it on the molecular level? Which part of the molecular level? You want to look at like how uh, um, DNA changes, how it changes conformation, how it changes uh, transcription. Um, do you want to look at it from a protein level? Like you want to look at it like from the chaperone protein level. I mean, how do you want to look at it? Do you, you want to look at it at a more macro physiological level, like how the sympathetic, parasympathetic um, nervous systems work, how that works in conjunction with your emotional centers, your 
higher um, level cognitive centers? Or do you want to look at it like how it interacts um, and creates, uh, in uh, in essence, parts of your um, of your uh, immune system, your endocrine system? Which part? Your digestive system? How do you want to look at this? Okay, so we're we're not even mm-hmm. out of the human. Okay, so we're not even into the psychological level. Okay, do you want to look at this on an emotional level or like on a cognitive level? I mean, how how do we look at this? You want to look at this on a, a social level? How uh, communities and families that are under stress because the collective indiv- the individuals are stressed? Or do you want to look at this on a, an ecological or um, um, political or, or an economical level where it's basically um, bankrupting the governments? We're, we're looking at a cost per year of five to ten or more trillion. And the gross domestic products only, what, 65, 70 trillion per year. So we're talking a big chunk of our output is eaten up by the cost of preventable stress. I completely agree, Dr. Wingo, that this topic can sometimes become complex and abstract to understand for the average or non-science-based individual. But I'm so glad that you're able to distill this information and sort of make it simpler and more actionable for the benefit of uh, people around. Is that correct? Well, I one I don't know, sort of one pet peeve I have is um, uh, we in science tend to be very arrogant and um, mm. use uh, much lingo. In fact, we use so much lingo that we can't even understand each other. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like a, a physiologist may not understand a molecular biologist, even sure. though they're both studying the stress response. And so because of that, uh, there hasn't been the dialogue that needs to be in order to like tell the big picture, tell the big story. And yeah. so, yeah, it's, um, you know, very, and what's even more funny is that it's usually the taxpayers, no matter what country, you know, we're in, that pay um, for this, and yet they pay and pay and pay, and there's what probably at least a hundred thousand academic papers over the last forty, fifty, sixty plus years, and yet. <laughs> They pay and pay, and, and yet there's no answers. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to be a proletariat. I, I'm going to do what I can. Uh, I'm going to edit this book. So I got in a bunch of editors to bring it down from this high horse level that sure. we academics talk to a more user-friendly level. And it, let me tell you, this took 18 edits to get it. Wow. Yes. Yes, so there was a lot. Of, it was more work to get it to where it could be read by some, like a newspaper level, you know, reading level, than it was to actually write the book. Now, speaking about taxpayers, Dr. Wingo, by now, most of our listeners have this singular question on their mind. How can I put what I learned today into action? So is there a health technique that you can recommend for our listeners so that they can prevent the overloading of their body's stress response? Okay, well, one thing I wanted to do with this book in, in all communities around the world, is provide a basic vocabulary, okay? Sure. So, so those five components that we talked about just a second ago, um, what you want to do, and this is very, very simple, and it, like I said, it, this, it doesn't matter how rich or poor you are. I mean, it's, it's very, very simple, is just take those five components and then think about your own life, okay? And write down every single stress that are, is under the umbrella of those five components that apply in your life, okay? And the thing is, is this might take several weeks because you might be looking at hundreds of stressors for one person. When you really add it up, when you're like number one, number two, number three, number four, 
and you really itemize and then you look at these and then you decide which ones a lot of these are voluntary and, and you can change these and when you change them you're thinking okay um, I'm gonna be saving if you're an American many thousands of dollars a year I'll be there for my children and grandchildren uh, I'm not gonna be um, you know um, incapacitated you know by disability because of stress related disease which um, occupies much disability in the modernized world and you're doing this um, because you finally have the vocabulary and, and you could also take this to a therapist or to like say maybe a, a group you know you could have a group of sure. people do this and you can apply this to again your community and to like more of a of a higher state level like a higher level um, in a you know on the country or you know multi-country level so you can apply this and, and all you're doing is just making a list you're just thinking about it and making yeah. a list and then just eliminating just you know kind of like a food diary or like a budget uh, diary um, eliminating um, what you need to eliminate love that so action tribe to access today's show notes visit my seven chakras.com forward slash 134 that's my seven chakras.com forward slash 134 I am still learning how to take joy in all the people I am, how to use all myself in the service of what I believe, how to accept when I fail and rejoice when I succeed. This is a powerful quote by Audre Lorde. Action Tribe, there is a lot of wisdom in the words that I just shared because quite honestly, you are going through a journey. And on this journey, you will meet many people. You'll have many experiences. Teach people powerful life lessons. Experience massive challenges and make mistakes as well. The key, as shared in this quote, is that you are always learning. So Mary, take us back to a time when you faced a major challenge. Talk to us about how you came across the challenge in the first place. And then finally, how did you overcome the challenge? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, sometimes I wonder how I'm still standing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. Well, let me tell you, there's many, many challenges I've had in my life. And probably one of the biggest challenges ultimately was the long process of deciding to leave the U.S., um, I mean, the very, very long process and preparation to leave my home country. I mean, and, and the many conflicted feelings uh, with that. And, um, oh, yeah, it was about probably, a I don't know, 10, 12 year process. Yeah. And realizing that, um, I mean, this very, very strong statement, but it really is true. I guess we can be provocative is I felt like my culture was stimulating or I'm sorry, was stunting my growth personally. I felt for whatever reason, I couldn't quite, again, I didn't have those five aspects nailed out. It was still more in the scientific stage of, you know, cellular, molecular biology. And so I, I didn't have those other aspects. So I, but I knew that there was just something inherently very, very, for me personally, toxic yeah. in my environment. And, and I needed to leave. And I did. So this was obviously a huge decision. <laughs> <laughs> a huge decision, which took like 10 years long. So were there moments where you sort of doubted yourself or the decisions that you were taking and sort of second guessed stuff? Well, there was a little here and there, but ultimately it was just stuck you know, it, it was like stuck right there in the forefront of my consciousness. And also, so was this book. This book has been like generating in my head. I mean, literally torturing me for 20 years. I mean, since I was just, you know, a young, very young adult. 
literally it's like there. So yeah, yeah, this book and immigrating both very huge challenges in my life. So if you had to put in just one sentence, a major life lesson based on the story that you shared, what would that be? Well, um, I'm going to again defer to Henry David Thoreau, like I did uh, in the beginning of the um, of our conversation. And that is like simplify, simplify, simplify. Seriously, the more complex your life is, the more stress you're going to have, period. I mean, it's just laws of nature, laws of thermodynamics. So firstly, thanks a lot for sharing your story. I think there are a couple of points here that I want to restate for the benefit of our listeners, because I think there's some wisdom definitely here you shared that the biggest challenge for you was the decision and the preparation to leave the United States. I'm sure that must have been a really difficult decision and a lot of preparation. And that is a process that took, as you mentioned, 10 years. As you mentioned, you felt like the culture was sort of stunting your growth. You had a vision, you had dreams, you had, you wanted to write your book as well. And, you know, there were times where you sort of thought about your decision and, you know, maybe, uh, maybe doubted yourself. I'm not sure uh, completely, but ultimately you said that it was stuck right there deep down that you had to leave because you wanted to simplify, simplify, and even more simplify. I think that is a strong message for all of our listeners listening to this episode right now to find ways to simplify their lives in any matter possible and go through the exercise that you suggested a while back to sort of note down key reasons why stress is there in their lives so that once they're aware of these reasons in the first place, they will be able to take action. So thanks a lot for sharing. Thank you very, very much. This has been an amazing uh, dialogue that I've, I've had with you. And um, speaking of like these you know, actionable life hacks, uh, you know, if they want to visit my website at Mary wingo.com you can just you can sign up and you can get like a portion uh, an excerpt of my book and you can get all of the steps that are needed if you want to start the process you don't even have to buy the book just start the process of of going through those five categories and just getting an inventory of your life you can get that at marywingo.com and you can also find my book it is priced to be affordable to most communities in the world. So this isn't something that uh, only the wealthy can afford. You can get my books uh, also at marywingo.com and amazon.com um, as well. So Action Tribe, as you head out to experience your human revolution, remember that you are not alone on this journey. There are many people who you will meet and within each person you meet, you might see some element of you, maybe just a glimpse. Maybe if you see a kid, you might feel nostalgic. You might feel nostalgic about your youth. If you meet a wise old person, you might imagine yourself sitting on the rocking chair and sharing stories of your adventure to your grandkids. You might see a hardworking and struggling student and remember the days when you stayed up late to study for your exams and sometimes you might come across a person who is weak and frail and you may remember the days when you were sick and your family or your community took care of you. Whomever you meet, remember the words of George Carver who once so eloquently said, how far you go in life depends on you being tender with the young, compassionate with the aged, sympathetic with the striving and tolerant of the weak and the strong because someday in life you will have seen 
all of these. So Mary, what is your life's calling as on today? It's this crazy book, let me tell you. It's, uh, I don't know, it's uh, being, I guess, a teacher for humanity. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. A teacher for humanity is really precious. So as you look back at your life, was there a magical moment or a special moment during which you told yourself that your life was about to change? Take us back to that very moment. Oh, gosh, I'm not sure if I should divulge this. But yeah, actually, it was. Actually, it was in the jungle. It was in the Amazon. And uh, it was uh, during a shamanic mm. uh, ceremony. Uh, I found myself, you know, I, I'm always finding myself in these adventures. Um, you know, I just, it's just my personality, I guess. And yes, I, I had the existential crisis, uh, which led um, ultimately to finally um, producing this book. That's beautiful. Yeah. And with that, we have arrived at the wisdom round, the final round for today's show. Four questions, rapid fire style. Are you ready? I am ready. What is the best advice that someone's ever given you? <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, it's uh, the writings from uh, the Buddha, actually. <laughs> Just following um, the Eightfold Path as, as, and uh, realizing that everything is uh, impermanent. <laughs> That's the best advice. Best advice. Wonderful. <laughs> Name a personal habit that keeps you strong. Personal habit that keeps me strong. Okay, I, like, for instance, I do not use a whole lot of chemicals in my house. You know, I, I eat as uh, close to the earth as I can. And uh, I really, really watch for what uh, foods I have intolerances to. And um, th this will take 10 years off in no time if you, if you practice this. Great. So what is your morning ritual like? What do you do during the first two hours of your day? I get up normally very, very early, uh, like 4.30 or 5. And, um, you know, I do, you know, I, I watch the sunrise um, out of my window. Wow. And um, I have a cut out coffee a long time ago. That's that's no good. <laughs> it's just, it, it, it's not, caffeine's not a great way to actually uh, start the day, um, believe it or not. And uh, I, I actually uh, uh, start heavily into my work, um, you know, communications, um, operating my um, other business, you know, just getting my stuff done and cleared out. And then usually by around 6.30 or 7, uh, that, that's when you go out for breakfast and, you know, just kind of chill out a little bit and then before you come back. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a real good life. I can't complain. Great. So name a book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners today. I would like to recommend two books um, by Nassim Taleb. He is um, the eminent philosopher of the 21st century. And this helps you uh, understand stress even more. Uh, if you take my book and you're able to grab copies of The Black Swan and Anti-Fragile and then have my book kind of along with that, there's nothing in this world you're not going to be able to conquer. So we'll have those books in the show notes. Action Tribe, to access today's show notes, visit my7chakras.com forward slash 134. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 134. So Mary, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. It was a phenomenal phenomenal experience and it's so amazing to note that I am having a conversation with you and you're in the southern hemisphere and I'm in the northern hemisphere in Vancouver and you're in South America right now right you're in Ecuador oh a long way away <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing so before you go tell us one thing that you're really grateful for and tell us the best way we can find you oh boy I, I tell you what um, I'm very very grateful um, for 
what the Ecuadorians have taught me. It's given me hope in humanity, actually. Um, but I'm very, very grateful. I'm grateful for the Ecuadorians. I, I am. And then, and people, again, they can get a hold of me and get a free excerpt of my book. Get started on this. Don't wait. You can come to marywingo.com and uh, sign up for free. It, it's not going to cost you a dime. And there's tons of actionable advice. There's tons of provocative uh, videos and articles discussing the hard stuff you always knew, but you never had the vocabulary for. And you can just go to marywingo.com. So there you go, Action Tribe. This book has been 20 years in the making yes. and it will really help you in your transformation because as Mary pointed out, it's not just about the stress that you're experiencing, but the stress that we're experiencing collectively. And so there are so many things that you can do to help your community and help the people around you so that you can be a change maker and an action taker. The link is marywingo.com. We'll have that in the show notes. So Mary, thank you so much for coming on our show. And thank you. It was wonderful. And enlightening us about the human stress response and taking us one massive leap closer to a human revolution. My pleasure. Thank you. You were listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to my chakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired and take action. Transform your life today.